Welcome to the Digital Investors Podcast with Matt and Liz Rudd, where we explore how you can invest in the new digital economy with expert interviews, proven strategies, and stories of success. Get inspired to grow your portfolio for the future. G'day everyone, it's Matt here and today I've got a very special guest, Ewan Pincer from Ventureforth Media. And what the reason I've asked uh, Ewan to come along and chat to us all is Ewan is building a significant portfolio of six and seven figure websites. And what his superpower is, I wait till you hear this guys, Ewan is um, loves building sites and building um, or basically incubating them up in from the ground up and Ewan's big on SEO as well. So thank you so much for coming along, Ewan, and speaking to our community. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for uh, including me. Yeah, fantastic. And so so let's jump into your, uh, I guess, let's actually look at where you are now because I know you've, you, you've been doing this for quite a few years and we'll touch on that in, in the interview. And you've obviously bought and sold quite a few websites but now it seems you're more into um, obviously building them from, from zero, from scratch. Yeah. So it's kind of been an evolution. You know, I think uh, I started like so many uh, of your community probably starts with uh, limited capital and uh, maybe yeah. some time, some energy uh, to put into it. And so I, you know, back in 2013, 2014, um, built the sites myself, you know, started with one site, uh, then did two, three, four literally did all the functions from, you know, setting up the hosting to doing some amateur web design, uh, writing content, uh, doing all the marketing around that, uh, link building, uh, what have you. Um, and then kind of evolving over the last six, seven, eight years um, into more of a developed operation where we can hire uh, writers uh, and hire project managers and kind of a C-suite, if you will, at the top. Um, and I always thought, you know, the reason why I'm building sites is because one day I can go buy them, you know, yeah. and I, I tried that and, you know, had some success, some, some failures with, with acquiring websites. And we can get into to that at, at some point, but, um, you know, kind of came full circle back to the idea of, uh, we, I, we actually have, our team has this special kind of unique approach to incubating sites. Uh, we have unique experience. Um, what if we did that in a more organized and disciplined way and just approached that with the same rigor and discipline we would an acquisition, but just do it from the ground up and do it at scale and do it in batches. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I've, where I've come to. And really, you know, for me, it's about competence and about risk mitigation. And so those two things um, are why I, I focus on ground ups as opposed to maybe acquisitions, acquisitions. at a large scale. So we, we, and we should mention, obviously, you and I are introduced through Joe Valley at Quiet Light Brokerage. And one of the things that caught my eye, Joe said to me, oh, Matt, I'm working with this um, fantastic, like, lovely guy, you and you'll get on really well with him, but wait till you hear how he does his SEO as well. And that's why it really intrigued me what your thoughts are around, because, you know, we all love SEO and it, it's been hugely successful for all of us. And so in talking to you, though, as well, I realize you have gone on the journey that um, a lot of people uh, go on in our community, which is both building and buying. So in terms of the buying side, you've, you've sold and bought some quite sizable websites, haven't you? Yeah. So I think, you know, at the, at the high end, sold, sold a seven figure, acquired seven figure 
some mid six figure exits, um, acquired some mid low six figures. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've kind of been on both sides uh, for sure. Um, also done a lot of micro acquisitions, you know, sub 50 K, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've really, I've seen the big ones and I've seen the, the ones in between um, and I'll say big ones in air quotes. Cause that's, you know, for, you know, for our, for, you know, for my experience, I think for a big yeah. media company, a million dollars is peanuts, but for me, yeah. it feels like a lot. <laughs> yeah. When you're, when you're working from home and, and, and so for you, so you've gone on this whole journey. You've kind of, uh, you've got now experience over this last, how, um, what, since 2013 you've been doing it. You've got the experience yep. from quite small sites, big sites, building sites. So very similar to Liz and I, actually. And that's why it's so fascinating to talk to someone like yourself and share ideas and, and swap notes. But what I'm really interested in is why... You've, and then we'll get into some strategy, but why have you decided after all this time doing both? I noticed two big things that you, you said to me uh, the other day, which is you love, you found building sites is more your sweet spot. And also that when you do do acquisitions now, your preference is actually, um, you want to mention what your preference is? It's for- yeah. yeah, so what we've realized coming at that competence point is that we have this system for for sourcing writers, uh, managing writers, um, mm. even the software system we've built to the end-to-end kind of conveyor belt. Like we call it the content conveyor belt. And so we have this unique superpower. Um, and so what's the best way to leverage that? Well, I think right now with where multiples are and kind of the risks associated with acquisitions, we've said, look, the smaller the acquisition, the better. Um, mm. And if we can't find it on the market, which is almost always the case, we don't yep. find the right quality or or the size, we're going to incubate, we're going to build it from scratch. And so that's really, you know, where, where we focused on uh, more so because that's, that's where we can extract the most value um, versus a large acquisition. Sometimes when you're acquiring a site, let's say with 300, 400, 500 pieces of content or more, what you're really acquiring is kind of a defensive playbook. <laughs> you know, yeah. yes, there might be some growth opportunities, but you have to keep the ship sailing and keep the leaks plugged. And that's, um, you know, we have experience with that, but I would say I'd rather be playing the other game than I'd rather be playing offense than defense, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so now what you're, you're doing, you're, you've got, obviously you've got funding behind you and you are currently, your strategy is to launch sites like en masse, it seems, that, that's basically your strategy. Yeah, so I think uh, this interesting kind of point uh, here is that, you know, my experience up until maybe 2017 was launching sites as I could, right? It's, you know, kind of the bootstrapped entrepreneur lifestyle business, (laughs) maybe one month I need to take it out for a down payment on a house, Uh, you know, so I'm kind of balancing these different priorities, or some some months I'm reinvesting just into existing sites, and some months I'm launching a bunch of new ones, really just based on what I'm seeing. But in a very disorganized, uh, I would say undisciplined type of way. It worked, right? But I didn't, at the end of the day, I couldn't really understand what exactly was causing the growth. It was hard to follow. And so mm-hmm. when I made this decision to do, go back to content and, and really raise capital against that, you know, from outside investors, uh, I, what I wanted to do is do it in a disciplined, measured um, way. And so I, I read this book, uh, you know, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah. And all his other material. He's a yeah. kind of a great thought leader. Um, and there's a whole bunch of concepts I love. The 20 mile march. There's a whole bunch of other ones that I really uh, internalized with our team. 
but but one of the ones I really hung on to was fire bullets and then cannonballs. And the idea is that you don't, if you have a reserve of capital or energy or resources, you don't want to expend all of that gunpowder, as you will, on one big shot. So he uses mm-hmm. the analogy of there's, you know, two ships at sea, maybe they're in the age of sail, man of war, you know, they're bearing, one's bearing down on the other. And, you know, you, you see the target, you turn to face it. And then, you know, this choice, do you fire all of your gunpowder at once and, and try to take them out? Or do you try to fire uh, like a tracing shot first, maybe with, you know, 10% of, or 5% of your ammo. And then you, maybe you miss left, but then you adjust, you, you miss right, but then you sort of box yeah. your way in until you hit the target. Once you hit the other ship with the little, let's say, uh, you know, grape shot, <laughs> then you yeah. say, okay, now we've hit metal. Um, now we fire the big cannonball. And the, the, that's the important distinction. It's, this, uh, it's holding these two concepts that are seemingly opposed, uh, but in balance, knowing of, you know, doing this limited validation to really get, uh, you know, get on target. But then once you're on target, realizing what you have and firing everything you have at that target. And yeah. so that's kind of my macro thesis and why I'm focused on, on doing content at scales, because I think we have a, we've hit the target, so to speak. We just need to scale it with capital and content and do more sites. And so what we try to do, um, even at the portfolio level, is follow this fire bullets and cannonballs approach. So it's very important for us to launch all the sites at the exact same time with the exact same capital input. Um, They could be in different verticals, but each site, let's say, gets 15 to 16, maybe $17,000 worth of content. Um, It's maybe 50% of our allocation, 60% of our allocation overall goes mm-hmm. into firing bullets and we fire wide. So our last launch, we raised $800,000. Um, mm-hmm. We fired our bullets, 26 site launches 20, in yeah. five weeks. Uh, each site, we <laughs> oh. want to get over 120 articles and kind of let okay. them sit. And then we go into a period of like rest and refit where we're not even doing, we're not doing anything at all besides, you know, some basic, we do a basic outreach, uh, you know, link building campaign, do some social media, very basic, um, but then we let all the sites sit for about six to nine months. And I, I kind of look at it like it's like a vintage of wine. You kind of let them, you know, mature. And then, yeah. you know, right around the 12 month mark, we start to see which of these sites, which of these assumptions that we put out there are, are proving to be more interesting than others. Um, and so it really, it's a gut check. It's, you know, uh, it's, I, I think I have the best ideas. I think I have great ideas for new sites, but honestly, I don't know. Even the best keyword research tools can't, can't really tell you, you know, the truth. They're, they're, they're approximations. So you kind of have to see what the, what the market says, what Google says uh, about your sites. And then we double down, we take the reserve gunpowder, if you will, and yeah. we fire it back into the, maybe the top 20% of the sites, or maybe it's the top, you know, 40%, but whatever it is, yeah. we double down on, on the ones that have proven to us that they're worth doubling down on. So it, it's really a pathfinding exercise more than it is a, um, uh, you know, a, like a, like a necessarily an exercise in scale. We, we want to figure out first where to, where to go uh, and then double down on that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit about kind of the overview of, of our process and, and why, wow. why we do what we do. Yeah. So that, that works for you. So, so to me as an old time, compared to you, I'm an old time SEOer. And, you know, I, I was saying to, to Joe Valley 
um, wow, I, that's not how, it's not even how we teach it. We teach you need to, you know, over time, I guess in, in essence, drip feed the content onto the site to make it look natural. And in my day, in my day, I sound old here, um, but in my day, putting all your content onto a site in one hit is just was kind of a, a no-no because it could, you know, it, it's just not what how normal sites are built back then. But it seems I've been asking around since I heard this idea and it seems like, yeah, this is a new thing that people are talking about. People like yourself are finding you can now stick all your content in one hit onto a website, which is absolutely fantastic for time management because it is a lot easier to stick 120 articles. Putting 120 articles onto a content site, there's, there's more work than meets the eye behind that, especially when you're across 25 websites. So it's a fantastic effective way of doing it if it works really well um, and obviously you're, that's what your team's geared up to do yeah we're all optimized around this conveyor belt <laughs> you know we keep the yeah. you know we have various different companies and funds that are either in launch phase we kind of plan it out on the calendar you know mm-hmm. every year we try to do one or two uh, of these launches and that's the plan moving forward and um, yeah just keep keep the gears moving and, and keep improving in the feedback loop keep the feedback loop refining the process every time. So in theory, you know, part of, part of, I think in business and life in general, like when someone says, you know, get in the arena, you know, it's about getting repetitions <laughs> when you're yeah. working out, whatever it is. Yeah. And so for us, we want to get as many repetitions in as quickly as we can in a measured way. So we can understand cause and effect, because if you, maybe if you just fired a site per month, you'd kind of get caught up in, you know, you'd have to be balancing against time and what's the better investment. Well, is it because it's older? Is it because it's been around longer? And so you might get mm-hmm. caught in a scenario where you don't really know what what's working or even if it is working, you're not sure why. And so that's why we do the cohort. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason we do the cohort analysis. Yeah, that that's fantastic. It's funny in our community, everyone knows I, I have a saying that I got from Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is reps, reps, reps. You've always got to yeah. do the reps, reps, reps. And that's that's been a big success principle for Liz and I. Um, and so so to be clear for what what I want to point out to everyone at this point is Ewan has obviously done the reps, reps, reps over the years and he's very successful already with buying and selling websites. And you all heard he learn how to build his websites first. So um, I think one of the important things you know, I was going to ask, I'm presuming, you know, yeah. with your experience, these articles are obviously very high quality articles. They're SEO'd, you're doing, you know, really good titles, subtitles, all, all that. So these are not your average kind of written articles that you see on, you know, cheap websites for sale type thing. We spend a lot of time, another kind of, part of our secret recipe, if you will. It's not that secret. It's just, it's, a, it's more of a consistency thing is we spend a lot of time sourcing writers up front yeah. and finding really high quality experts. And, yep. you know, you might hear this thing with Google, you know, EAT, you know, they talk yep. about the expertise, authority and trust. Eight. That's, yep. you know, we want to feature our writers. We're not, we're not, we're not about putting up anonymous content or, you know, ordering content from some service provider. We mm-hmm. own the content. Content is the product and it's very important for us to make that the priority at the end of the day, that's the only thing um, I care about, like in terms of the, the QA process is, are we producing high quality content, regardless of if it's video or written content? Um, and yeah, you know, we follow the SEO best practices, the title tags, but ultimately what we're optimizing for is serving the user 
And I know that's like a little bit right. esoteric and a lot of yeah. people say that, yeah. but, but I, I, that's what we think about. We think about what, what is, what's, you know, what should we be optimizing for? And I think there's a lot of short-term SEO tactics that are yeah. the flavor of the month and people are successful with them, you know, but I, I think what we, what we try to align for rather than trying to stay up to date with the latest, you know, Oh, include the, this snippet or that snippet or this yeah. the dates in your title tag or not. We try to say, okay, we see where Google's trying to go, right? Even if they're not necessarily explicit or they're opaque or hard to understand, we say, let's optimize for that future that they want, which is high quality expert written content uh, from passionate people that are in the space. And so we, we bias towards hiring passionate experienced writers as opposed to professional copywriters. In fact, we ra- we'd rather not have a copywriter because they're coming mm. from a different background that's different background. You know, not really relevant to the niches we enter. Yeah. So um, with the, uh, are you happy to mention, just so our guys understand, you know, these are not complex sites. These are just, in essence, these are your standard affiliate or um, you know, content sites, aren't they? You've got advertising affiliate on them in your standard niches that we all go into when we're online. So I would say one thing that's I've actually kind of changed my mind about recently is we we think of our sites as content brands, not content sites. Or and it's uh, a little it's yeah. a subtle distinction. Okay. But I think what we're trying to solve for is when you visit the site, you don't necessarily want to know that you've landed on a quote unquote affiliate site. Um, yep. You know, you've landed on. You want to feel like as a user, as a reader, you've landed on a the res- the go to resource for. Awesome. This, yeah. this vertical that you're passionate about. And so, yes, we use affiliate CPA offers. We do a lot of that. Very, we have a whole monetization team we've built out. With, we're building relationships with these brands, uh, which is great. Um, but we're also doing display ads. We're doing programmatic. And we've recently started doing direct placements with uh, yep. kind of boutique yeah. advertising yeah. with brands, really working with the brands to figure out what they want, um, but doing it in a way that's very natural and you know, if you, you know, I'd like to say if you visit any of our sites, you'd say, oh, you know, this is an interesting hobbyist site or an interesting enthusiast site about this topic. It's not necessarily, you know, the wire cutter, you know, yeah. an example, yeah. which is a great site and they do yeah. an amazing job, but that's not really, we're not trying to be reviews.com. We're trying to be authoritative community of experts around this area, whether it's product reviews or informational tutorial content or video, you know, we try to take a holistic approach to it. And are you happy to share um, like some of the typical niches that you might go into or, or how you find yeah. the niches? Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I, that's what I actually enjoy the most of all the things we do is doing that yeah. uh, digging, right? I love looking at uh, trends, macro trends, micro trends, keyword research, uh, advertising trends, um, mm. and finding the gaps in the market. I'd say that's the thing that that is not scalable mm. on purpose because you can't really outsource, you know, the inspiration for a business or for a site. I don't think, I think that has to be something that's closely held and, and developed by the, the, the CEO founder, you know, chief operator. Um, and so, yeah, we, we look at, I like, there's a couple things I riff on and I find these thematic things in the market. Uh, there's certain pockets of, of content, let's say, um, I'm trying to give a good example. Maybe three years ago, you could say it was pets. Pet, pets was yeah. a good one a couple of years ago where yeah. 
you could go into that space and there wasn't a whole lot of good information. So kind of thinking about that, all the different types of pets you can own, um, all the different pain points. And, and, and I like kind of thinking about it at different levels and different, uh, different microscope zooms, if you will. There's the thematic content zoom of, you know, what is this niche about? And then there's mm -hmm. also the monetization layer. How could you monetize it? And then there's like the subspecialization with, so I'll give you an example with pets. You can think of it as a generalist pet site that covers A to Z, everything about pets. Then you yeah. can break it into pet insurance. You yep. can say, we can create a site just about pet insurance. That's a big enough market that you could target. Mm. Or you could talk about, um, you know, you could talk about cats. You could talk about dogs. You could go down breed specific sites that are geared just yes. towards corgis or uh, labradoodles, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. and create content just around that. You could focus on pet food. Uh, I think there's a big site called Pet Food Advisor. Very successful. You can oh, focus yeah. on pet gear, pet furniture, like yep. breaking apart and really dissecting the market and finding those little entry points, those mm. um, subtle slight edges where with topical focus, you can outswing a lot of these big, well-established players. A lot of the big media companies, they're going broad to yeah. them, That's... you know, to, to IAC, yep. to DotDash, big US company. Yeah. They're, uh, what's niche to them is liquor.com is very niche yeah. to them. They think that's a cute niche brand. <laughs> to me, yeah. you know, scotch.com or, yeah. you know, bourbon.com is fairly broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think by, as operators, by going kind of niche and focusing in, not not like an exact match domain so much as a focused area. Um, so, so that's one way I look at it. I also look at late stage, I call late stage e-commerce adoption. So where are the markets that are mm -hmm. just coming online now? Yeah. Um, a good example of this might be like, um, I was looking the other day, you can order, at least in the US, you can order uh, lumber or, or, or kind of wood for, you know, for yeah. house building. You can order that online now. There's direct-to-consumer lumber. Okay. And yeah. that wasn't a thing three or four years ago. And so where, yeah. what are the things that just now are starting to realize that e-com growth hockey stick? Um, and so maybe it's shying away from some of the things that are overdone um, and focusing on the ones that are just now kind of a good example is actually uh, wine and spirits. Um, yep. You know, a couple of years ago, it was very hard, at least in the U S because of all the legal restrictions. Yeah. Around it. Yeah. You same know? here in Australia. Yeah. And so that's opening up, that's changing. And so that's a, that's an interesting market. And so I, I try to look at things like that too. Okay. Yeah. So in, in essence, you're picking everyday niches that are in front of us all the time, but there's nothing. Um, and, and you don't mind. And there can be micro niches even. Yeah. And I, you know, this, there's maybe some tactical things around, you know, the, the, the size of the keyword volume. I focus mm -hmm. more on what's the basket of, of topics you could go after versus an individual keyword or something. Um, yeah. But, you know, I generally like to see a few hundred, you know, searches per month at least. Okay. Um, yeah, that's ideally, good... if, ideally, the head terms, let's say the best, whatever, you know, the main categories are, are over a thousand. That's just a little rule of thumb if, if you're trying to yep. narrow it down. Okay, perfect. And um, so when you, so let, let's have a look like for yourself. So I guess another interesting question for you so people realise um, your background, like everyone's sitting here going, wow, you're building these massive big sites now. When you look back over your journey, <laughs> tell us a picture. What, what's your background, Ewan? What, what did you originally, like, how, and, how, and then we'll go, how did you get into this? Yeah, so I guess my background was desperation. <laughs> um, so yeah. like so many people, you know, I, I graduated uh, college or university, uh, 2012, 
And yeah. I got a, a desk job in, in kind of a cubicle, typical kind of, uh, and, kind of corporate environment. Well, what uh, did you do at uni? Like, what, what I studied political science, so nothing related to business <laughs> oh. at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you're not a you're not a techie type person or anything no, like that. No, no, no. I, I barely yeah. know how to code. <laughs> I, can, okay. I can hack it. If I have to, I can throw some code together, but I'm not an expert by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Everything is self-taught. I don't have a media background. I don't have a, a even a writing background. Although I yeah. did I did all those functions. It's really just a do it, you know, do-it-yourself approach. So and I believe that served. I think just jumping in and touching everything and, and getting familiar with it yeah. allowed me then to make better hiring decisions later on because I yep. can speak very intimately to um, you know the problem sets and I know the know the pain points personally. But yeah, no special background. And so and, and what did you do as a career? Like what how did it evolve from because from there you pretty quickly got into this, but what, what did you do when you first left uni? Yeah, so I was a technical recruiter uh, for a little bit. Oh. I was also in the military, so I was in the reserves, but yeah. uh, in the National Guard here in the U.S. But you know that was part time, so again, it wasn't really a, a you know full time thing, and and I didn't have any special skills. You know, it was kind of a, the same thing. I had a degree, and that's kind of what got me hired: a degree, and I interviewed well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's about it. There's no special background. I at the time didn't have any financial backing, didn't have any you know friends and family I could go to for money, so. It, it had to be bootstrapped. <laughs> awesome. And then when you got into this journey, you were obviously you're married with kids. How, how many kids do you have now? Cause this is particularly relevant. Oh, for yeah, this is interesting. So we have three kids. Uh, my oldest is five, just turned five and I wow. have a three-year-old and a, a nine month old. <laughs> so congratulations. Everyone in our community can well appreciate the journey you've got on and that, that, so how like, Everyone there is sitting there going, okay, how did you do this? Like going from, you know, you're working, three, you know, new family, married, everything. You must have a very supportive wife as well. Yeah. So honestly, back, this is a good, you know, good thought experiment. It, you know, if I had to start over today with three children um, yeah. and all the things that go along with that, it would be very hard to jump off the, the deep end, so to speak, into the unknown. Yeah. At the time, you know, we are, I was recently married. My wife was a teacher, you know, she, you know, I had, you know, this job and it, it's, it's kind of like, what do we have to lose at that point? You know, uh, oh, yeah. I, worst yeah. case scenario, if, if I stumbled a little bit, um, you know, I could, I could always go back to that cubicle. Um, but I also think, um, you know, my wife, you know, she was very supportive early on and, and, you know, I was living in New Jersey, kind of in the Metro New York area at the time. And there's a lot of traffic getting to and from work. So, but she said is, you know what, I know you're not happy necessarily with kind of working in the cubicle. Why don't you stop at Starbucks uh -huh. or, you know, Panera Bread here, <laughs> little, little yeah. chain and just do your work, you know, and just spend an hour or two hours rather than sitting in traffic, working on your websites and then come home. Cool. Um, and that worked out really well. Just, you know, little consistent effort over time to get yeah. that traction to the point where I was making a few thousand dollars a month. And at the time yeah. that was enough for me to justify leaving the job behind. Um, yeah. And yeah, and just kind of going from there, you know, and, and first, the first, I think at the first level of, of kind of, I guess, happiness is, you know, you quit the day job that that's a big milestone. <laughs> yeah. And the next one is, okay, you have a lifestyle business. You're making maybe as much as you would, you know, 10, 20 years down the road as a senior level person yeah. in whatever career field you left. That's another, cause that's a hard, because if you're looking at someone mid-career, that can that can be what you're shooting for. It's not just a few thousand dollars a month. It's this needs to be equal to or better than what I'm leaving at this stage. So then you get to that point, and then a great lifestyle business, and then 
um, you know, had that for a while, but I realized I kind of wanted to do more. I, at some point I got kind of almost bored of the, just the lifestyle aspect, you know, as, as fun as it is not to have to do anything if you don't want to, I realized there's a bigger opportunity here to build something big and build something quote unquote great. Um, and that's where we kind of started thinking of ourselves as a media company, although we're not, you know, I don't, we're not, that's yeah. not our origin story. We're not, you know, uh, you know, some newspaper that transitioned online or some private equity company that bought up a bunch of media properties. We, we are kind of bootstrapped, homegrown. Uh, we're still <laughs> yeah. lifestyle business at heart. You know, I'm here in my home office, no other employees yeah. that are with me here. Everyone's remote. We have a diversified yeah. team all over the world. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting. I think that stopping at Starbucks, it's really cool that your wife suggested that because I think that inevitably set you up long-term. One thing I noticed with you, and like when I was speaking to you the other day, you're more than happy to play the long game here. Like, like you said, you're patient. You're more like me. Liz, my wife, she, she was the one that figured out how to buy these websites because she wanted it straight away. But even yeah. that still takes time. But I think it's one thing that people need to realise you found, you mentioned to me the other day, uh, even though at the time it seems like it takes a long time, when you look back at your journey now, you think, wow, it's actually so quick, really. Like within three or four years, what you've been able to achieve is pretty, like it's just, you know, phenomenal, really. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, you know, this concept from from Asia or from Japan called Kaizen or Kaizen. Kaizen, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's continuous improvement and yep. consistent improvement, just optimizing a little bit every day. I think it can get yeah. really overwhelming if, you know, you try to say, oh, I want to build this giant portfolio overnight. And I didn't set out off to do that. It was a very natural evolution. Yeah. I, I call it, yeah. I call it the stair step. I mean, this is a, actually a Rob Walling. He's a, a software founder, but I heard a talk from him once and he, he, he referred to it as the stair step approach. That's yeah. kind of how success goes and business goes in my experience. It's not a linear up into the yeah. right hockey stick. It's yeah. you get to a new plateau of, of learning or success. And then you figure out, do you want to stay here? And it's okay to stay there, but, and then what's the next step? And so what does that, what does that mean? What, how do you have to get to the next step? And so that's kind of how I look at it. We're stair-stepping our way to becoming a mature media company. And then, and then I guess that the final, like your plan now is talking of going to those steps as you build these portfolios, is your plan to hold the those websites for the cash flow and the va- and the asset value, or are you going to be selling out of say you're 25? Will you selectively sell them off? What what's the overall um, exit plan? Yeah, so I look a lot like beyond the niche selection process. My my role kind of as the head is the capital allocator. It's about yeah. making the decisions on what to do with capital and how to mitigate risk. Um, that's why we do the portfolio approach because it's portfolio theory. It's, you know, some sites yep. are going up, some Something sites are going down. Yep. Yeah. Every Google update, you know, Absolutely. I don't lose sleep anymore because I know some yeah. sites went down. I know some sites went up. I don't yeah. care. You know, yeah. they all shake out in the wash. Eventually, you know, if I look at the year over year numbers, it's 50% growth, 100%, 150% growth. It's, it's the same story every year. It's just, if you tried to pick the winners individually, you drive yourself nuts because that, you know, yeah. that can be very nauseating, but yeah. So the, the goal right now is to really uh, kind of leverage what we have uh, as far as we can. And I think, you know, my macro thesis is that there's a whole lot of lifestyle entrepreneurs and micro operators like myself mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's a whole lot of huge media companies and big players in Amazon, FBA, and other e-commerce trends, SaaS, that are trying to get into the content game mm. um, from the top. But yeah. there's very few folks in the middle. And so I kind of see my role as filling that gap in the middle. And so That's to your point of do we sell, do we buy? I, I do strategically, when we do these portfolios, like in our financial modeling, we build out maybe exiting 20 to 30% of okay. the sites every you know, two to three years. And then, mm. and using the proceeds to then launch more sites. Yep. So, you know, let's say we, we have a 10 site portfolio. So a good example, we launched a portfolio two years ago with 250,000 or three years ago, well, a little over two years with $250,000 for 10 sites. This was our yep. first kind of experiment. Um, and about two years later, or just a little bit over two years, uh, the portfolio has exceeded in terms of asset value has exceeded $500,000 in asset value. Right. So we can then oh. say that our first go around that we've kind of two yes. the asset value. Um, and then we can say, look, we can sell one or two of yeah. these more mature sites, let's say for 300, 400, $500,000 um, yep. and still have some of the other ones that are earning. So you're not going to zero and starting from scratch. You have this base and then you can launch 10, 20 more sites and then do that all over again. If you, if, if you do that at scale, you build that Excel spreadsheet way out into the future. You can see yeah. how the compounding nature at multiple levels, you know, that works out over time. Um, so, I, but I do believe that you should cycle in and out of some percentage of your holdings yeah. as a risk mitigation method. And ideally you either double down with more sites or you take that risk off, some of that risk off the table completely. And just say, you know what? I'm going to take that pocket, that put that in something boring like real estate, and yep. you know that, that's yeah, the best smart. way to mitigate risk is to cash out at some point. Not not everything, but some yes. uh, some portion of it. Um, so in general, your long term buy and hold, and then occasionally too, will you still are you still will you still look to acquire websites? Would you look to buy websites? So well, I would so say much we, these... we are very interested in micro, I say micro acquisitions. So anything hundred under a hundred thousand dollars or so okay. yeah. um, that we That's... feel like we can leverage content on. Um, and so ideally it's an aged kind of site that has some good content, but that we can double, there's a wide open niche. We can double down and, you know, produce 200 articles and get a net positive ROI on those. Um, you know, I think in terms of a larger acquisition, it would have to be like right through the wickets in terms of we have, proven content expertise in the vertical with writers oh, yeah. ready to go. I've done yeah. the keyword research. I know it's a good yeah, vertical. You know I, yeah. I would want to know we have the monetization partners lined up and ideally there's some quick wins. Like we can switch an affiliate or move from Ezoic to Mediavine or, or, or whatever, or some ad network arbitrage. Um, so I would go bigger. It just would have to be a perfect kind of the perfect, the perfect site, if that makes perfect. sense. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's just just been unreal. Um, do, do you have, because uh, you've got a good feel for where our community is at, you know, they're starting yeah. out on this journey. When you look back over your your journey, like, you know, from starting in those Starbucks days on the side of the, yeah. you know, on your way to work, do you have any, like, quick final bit of advice that you could give to someone starting out or, or a yeah, something that key that you've learned over that time. Yeah, I would just say, you know, the consistency really pays off. You know, if you just take a little bit of steady action every day, every week, um, whatever the cadence is, and just keep at it. There's no, there's no quick wins. You know, there's no shortcuts. 
Yeah. Um, you just, you have to get in the arena and get some reps and, you know, I would say, and just do that approach of fire bolts and cannonballs. You can do it on a micro level. Even if you have one site that yeah. the fire bolts and cannonballs would be, if you have one site and say you have a pet site and you publish articles in four to five different categories, but all of a sudden you, you discover that, you know, you know, dog collars, you're ranking number one for, well, then take your capital and rather than spread it wide, go de- first, go deep into that, you know, other dog collars, different variations, like really own that vertical. If the data is telling you there's something there. And I, yeah. I so I think just internalize that and cause it can, it can get very easy getting distracted. And I'm of course, I'm one to talk, right? Cause we have over a hundred <laughs> websites, Yeah, but, yeah that's right. <laughs> but, but we've done it. I've tried to do it in a more disciplined way where we're not chasing things where we're listening and collecting feedback on what do we have? What is, what is the asset we have today? And what is it telling us about where we should publish our next article? Yeah, cool. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much for that. You know, that's perfect. Thank you so much for um, being with us today. Oh, great to be here. Thanks so much. Awesome. You've been listening to a Digital Investors podcast with Matt and Liz Rad from the eBusiness Institute. If you'd like more great content, interviews and inspiration, make sure you subscribe here in your podcast app or visit digitalinvestors.com for more insights into the future of investing online.